The Goiter and Smoke Show will begin right after this quick message. A quick warning, there are curse words that are unbeeped in this episode of the show. So, Goral, I was uh, unfortunately out of town for Billy's workout class. Uh, were you able to do it? I was, and you were sorely missed. The class was Billy, obviously teaching, uh, my wife and I, and then Ellen and her daughter also joined. So, it was a small, intimate class, but it was tons of fun. Billy, I don't know, like all of you out there, hit Billy up, try to get a class with her. Just an amazing workout so it's that kind of hit style where you have like 45 seconds on 25 seconds off that type of thing yes and so like it got you a really nice like aerobic workout and then you got that little bit of rest to bring down your heart rate and you got right back into it i loved it it was hard like don't get me wrong like it was challenging for sure but it was rewarding as well i felt great after it my wife too my wife said fantastic workout and you know we're not the workout type people we're definitely more of the slower paced yoga for our exercise so she was she was great though it was fantastic well that's cool did you guys hang around afterwards and chat yeah we sat around and talked a little bit you know disappointed that more people didn't show up you know i think i think our class is a little shy <laughs> yeah that, i mean that's understandable that's, uh... yeah because i know i know Colop said he was going to do it and he didn't show up and there's a few others out there who said they were interested. And then, you know, I guess there's a little pressure there. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Working you know, out like, in front of your classmates that you haven't seen in 20 years. <laughs> in workout clothes. Right, right. I think some were, some were afraid I might be in leggings. So that had to scare off a few people, I, at least. I don't blame them. <laughs> <laughs> so, what'd you do? How, what, what, your big excuse. How come you got out of this? Uh, so, we were actually in uh, Sister Bay, Door County. Mm, um, nice. Yeah, we, um, before COVID, we probably got, before COVID and kids, we got up there uh, probably a couple times a year. Um, and sometimes with, sometimes we stay in a hotel, what's more like a condo, uh, condo style room, kitchen and stuff like that. Um, and other times we've rented a house, but this time we stayed in the, uh, in the hotel and it was very quiet. And we spent a ton of time at the pool and there was never one other person in the pool. Wow. Uh, so we had the whole place to ourselves, which was really good. And our three-year-old is um, taking swim lessons and she's getting more comfortable in the pool. So uh, we had a blast swimming with her and um, it was, it was great. I mean, my wife and I used to go up there and, you know, have very relaxing weekends. It wasn't exactly relaxing, but it was, it was a blast. And, um, it was great seeing, uh, seeing the kids have fun. What type of stuff is there to do up there this time of year? Well, there are still some shops open, not as many as like in the summer. Um, so you can, you can do the shops, you know, there's still a, you know, a good number of good restaurants that are open, you know, it's kind of in between seasons. There's not really, snowshoeing or cross-country skiing um there's nice trails for hiking and biking but it's a little early for that too um but we just we were just looking for a getaway and spend some time at the pool and yeah um you know the the lake was still 
while the bays were still frozen. Um, not that you'd be going in the water now anyway, but um, so it was, uh, it's, I personally like this time of year when it's quieter. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was a good getaway. It went fast and it's always tough coming home after vacation, but it was good. Nice dude. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. So our next guest this evening, uh, most will probably remember him as a, one of Memorial's finest magicals, the class of 95's finest magicals. And others may remember from his outstanding football career uh, at the YMCA and South Middle School <laughs> on Andy Hoban's team. Right. <laughs> we, we were both budding stars. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Fire Marshal David Garber to the show. What's up, bud? Not much. How are you? Oh, hanging in there. There's Hoban. Hey, Dave. So, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. He asked how many people we had done. He's number 23, if you can believe that. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. I have to look back to see everybody that we interviewed. They're all. I think we're, we're, we're closing in on like 24 hours of content. I mean, you can pretty much drive across the country now and just listen to Circa 95. <laughs> oh, I mean, that, that must mean they're doing something right. I mean, people like them, so. Yeah, they are listening. They, I think, you know, a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, we're all kind of deprived of human interaction these days. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I'm not sure how popular this would have been even like three years ago. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, David, uh, let's talk about the... Uh, Modern day David Garber. Speaking of driving coast to coast, mm -hmm. so what brought you out to DC? Work, you know, like a lot of things, it was work. Um, yeah, I'm married and kids now. Um, I took kind of a, a bizarre path once I left high school, where I think I hit I hit my midlife crisis, where I didn't know what I wanted to do, like really early on, um, and I ended up changing, you know, the 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 path I wanted to follow. As a result, I was a year or two later and entering the job market and I was having a, a bit of a difficult time. My girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, had a job offer out here with the federal government. And I thought, well, I'm not having much luck in Wisconsin. I'll probably have, you know, just as much luck out there. You know, there'll be more more opportunities. And I kind of like this person. I think I may want to stay with her. So we ended up out here and we've been here ever since, since uh, fall of 2000. Wow. You've been out there. I wish I would have known, man. I was out there, I think... 06 to uh, 2010. In in the uh, D.C. area? Yeah, we lived in Bethesda. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I worked for CBS and National Geographic and Fox all at one point out there. And she actually worked for uh, Under Armour and commuted up to Baltimore. Okay. Uh, most of my most of my time in Bethesda was visiting restaurants because we couldn't afford to live there. So. Oh, man, it was good, right? It's funny you say that. That's the one thing I miss about living in that area is, oh, my gosh. Yeah, there is, um, there's some, there's a, a feel good stat that gets thrown around that's, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I can't remember what the number is, but in the DC area, it's, it's estimated there's 180 something nationalities, you know, around here. So, I mean, the, the variety of food and stores and everything is just amazing. 
Yeah. I remember too, some of the, some of my favorite restaurants were actually the ones that were owned and operated by whatever nationality the, the cuisine was. Um, mm-hmm. There was a, uh, oh, I forget the name, but the best sushi I've ever had was this little hole in the wall sushi restaurant run by uh, a Japanese family. And it's funny because I had other friends in the area who would like kind of thumb their noses like, oh, they would never go in there just because it kind of it didn't look like your modern day fancy, you know, techno music type sushi restaurant, you know, um, yeah. it was it was a very traditional hole in the wall place. And it, it wasn't um, hipsterish, I guess, hip enough for for a lot of people, but it definitely had the best fish and the best cuts. And it was it was fantastic. Well, those are usually the best restaurants, right? The ones yeah. that. Don't look flashy. <laughs> right, exactly. I've, I've come to learn that, yeah. Except maybe not always the sushi ones. <laughs> yeah. P- hole in the wall and sushi is a little risky. But... Yeah, there is some extra caution that needs to be exercised there, I suppose. Right. <laughs> well, that's cool. So your wife brought you out to the D.C. area. Were you always uh, out in Alexandria or? No, we lived in. So when we first moved here, we had no money and we had to find you know, our, our options were kind of limited. So we lived in Prince George's County for the first year, sure. which it's, it's gotten a lot better now. It was parts of it were not so great back back then. Um, then once we settled down a little bit, we lived in Silver Spring for a oh, year. Yep. Um, I got hired in Alexandria. So we moved to the other side of the Beltway in 2002. We lived in Alexandria for a couple years. Our first house was in Arlington and now we're in Fairfax County. That's a great area. Very nice. So what do you do out there, Dave? I work for the Alexandria Fire Department as a a, a, a fire marshal. Um, a lot of people are confused by my opinion. People hear the term, but it's not universal the way police officer is. The very short version that gets people to understand the quickest is I'm like a police officer who works for the fire department. My job involves investigating fires to figure out how and why they started. Um, I do a lot of inspections to enforce the fire code. Anything that's generally fire service related that requires an investigation or an inspection is what I do. So like hazmat spills or illegal dumping, that that sort of thing would all fall, fall under what I enforce. I can cause a lot of confusion because I dress like a cop and that I'm wearing a vest and a gun belt and all that because I have the same arrest powers as a, as a police officer does. But my uniform says fire department. So people see me. And if they don't know what a fire marshal is, which is most people, they're like, wait a minute. Why, who are you? Why are you dressed like that? <laughs> um, and it's amazing. I mean, the the confusion is is universal. Like I'll if I see a police officer on the street and I don't know him, like sometimes he'll kind of give me a once over like like he's trying to figure out it if I'm allowed to dress like that, you know, some, some of the uh, magistrates, judges, they're not really sure who I am. It's, it's a bit bizarre, but. Especially now with like the, the armed military type, you know, people who aren't cops these days walking around, especially that area where you live, you know? Yeah. yeah geez. <laughs> um, wow. So That's... is this where you landed after your midlife crisis or has there been subsequent yeah. midlife crises? <laughs> no. So my, I mean, it wasn't really a crisis. I just had a, right. my, um, <laughs> my first year away from Memorial, I was in Madison at the uh, university and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I kind of realized that the only reason I was there was because 
it's sort of what was expected. Like, you know, what do you do when you graduate high school? You know, uh, college is next, right? Yeah. So I was in college, but I had no real idea or, you know, emphatic feeling about what I wanted to do. Like, I wasn't one of these people who was like, yeah, I'm going to go to, to pre-med and be a doctor. Or I'm, you know, I want to be ready to go to law school and be a lawyer. I really had no idea. I mean, I, I had my interests as far as classes go, but none of them really would have translated very easily to a, a uh, like a smooth career transition. So I spent one year at Madison, decided to take a year off. I went back to Eau Claire for a year and just worked. And then I went back to Madison. But the second time around, I went to the tech college down there and I went through a fire science program and a fire academy. The um, original plan was to be a firefighter. But being hired as a firefighter is really hard, especially in Wisconsin, where there aren't a whole lot of big cities. I mean, even Milwaukee isn't that big compared to other cities. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the communities in Wisconsin, their their fire service is mostly volunteer. A lot of the cities that have paid departments, the uh, the openings, it's really hard to get hired. I mean, they might be hiring say three to four people and 150 to 200 people show up to take the first test. And so wow. it was, it was really hard to find a job. So when my future wife got a job offer out here, I'm like, well, I'm not having any, any luck here and I want to stay with her. So let's go out to the DC area and, and, and try it out. I, I was applying to fire departments out here as well, but to, to up my odds, I started applying to more jobs because I needed to work. So I, I started applying to police departments as well. I had no history or, you know, previous knowledge of the, of, of police service, but lo and behold, I got hired by a police department first, also in um, the uh, same city in um, uh, city of Alexandria. And I enjoyed that. I spent five years there. And then back then I also had no idea what a fire marshal was, but one of our officers told me about it because he was going to apply to be a fire marshal. And so when he was telling me what the job involved, it was kind of like a a combination of the the fire service that I had originally planned to launch into and the police service where where I ended up and I kind of got to combine them and it ended up working out. Well, that's cool. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's uh that's an impressive impressive dedication to to just keep on sticking with it and and finally get that shot, you know. Yeah, and I remember after I got hired by the Alexandria Police, I was in the um the uh, academy and like three weeks into the academy, I got a job offer from a fire department. Of course. Course. <laughs> yeah, of course, you know, but I mean, I was, I was pretty excited about the job I had and I didn't want to, you know, just get hired and then quit and then start somewhere else. So I decided, yeah, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to stay with this. But event, you know, after five years, I ended up going back to a fire department. So I kind of recall a situation in maybe Alexandria area. I don't know, years ago, uh, a, big train that jackknifed with hazardous materials yeah um were you involved with that not really i think i know what you're talking about i think it was a long i think it was a um the tracks that run along eisenhower by the beltway i think yeah yeah Yeah. Uh uh-huh um i was working that day and i heard the call go out but we do but the fire marshal's office didn't really have a role in that there was no um nothing spilled that i'm aware of that would have caused us to come and have a look at it yeah Um, it was mostly just a chaotic train event. Okay. So what are the most uh, or more interesting types of cases, interesting or exciting cases that you get? The fires seem to come in spurts for whatever reason. We'll get like, there'll be a, a dry spell where nothing really needs to be investigated. And then it seems like we'll get 
three or four in a row. Most of them are accidents, which is good, but sometimes they're not. The most interesting ones can take a really long time to to try to figure out what happened. Um, I had a vehicle fire last year that tied up about three or four months of my time because it involved an out-of-state vehicle that was reported stolen, but not until after the, the fire happened. So there was a lot of follow-up to be done with that. Um, I mean, I guess any fire that involves a death is interesting, not in a yeah. good way, but I've had some where, you know, people unfortunately perished in the fire and it's a little weird because you feel the the sympathy for them, but you're also in, in job mode, so you can't really let it affect you too much. So yes. I, I, I suppose that qualifies as interesting, but yeah, I'd say <laughs> it probably hardens you a little bit. I mean, it can. Um, I mean. The last one I had, I haven't had very many, fortunately. I had one that happened on 395 off of the Beltway where this car got rear-ended. There was a uh, construction project going on, and this lady stopped because traffic was narrowing down to one lane, and the vehicle behind her must not have been paying attention and just slammed into her full speed at like 65 miles an hour, Mm. um, ruptured her gas tank, and she could not get out of the car, unfortunately. Her seatbelt was was still buckled when I got there. Luckily for me, because it happened on the beltway, the, the, uh, around the interstate, the state police had a priority on it, mm-hmm. but they asked me to come in and, and have a look at it. And I mean, she was totally burned up. It was like looking at a prop from a movie or something. Wow. Um, That's so, horrible. <clears throat> but I mean, while you're working the scene, it's not a conscious thing. Your brain just kind of shifts into work mode. Later on, you kind of have to, you know, your brain needs to sort of analyze what happened and then the feelings might come later. But at the time when the work is happening, it doesn't really come in that way. Wow. Wow. Right. Were you out there when the DC, the the Beltway sniper was going on? Yeah. I had just started with the police when that happened. I was, I was still in, in field training. It gave my mom a heart attack because she's like, why are you out there? (laughs) (laughs) I can Uh, imagine. Uh, gee, we got reports of so many unmarked white vans, which of course is what most contractors drive. So you could send all, all over. Um, sure. But yeah, that, that happened during my first year when I was with the police department. Wow. That was creepy. That yes. was super scary. I know. Um, I know it just closed, but there was that, uh, that museum down by the mall called the Newseum that they actually had like the trunk, I think. Or maybe it was the trunk they used in court. They, they cut it off the car to bring yeah. it in court to show that the, you know, how the suspect laid inside the trunk and had a gun pointed out the key, the the keyhole, basically, I think, or a hole in the trunk. Yeah. Um, that is interesting stuff for sure. Uh, so I had a few months like, hmm, what career have I really chosen here? But <laughs> I bet. <laughs> well, I feel like, I mean, he, he was loose for days if not weeks right yeah that went on for weeks yeah yeah that um, was crazy and he had, he had that didn't he have a kid with him or something yeah a minor um i think the kid was 17 at the time yeah that's right wow yeah that was uh that was wild yeah he had the kid hiding in the trunk with the gun and he would drive around and the kid would shoot the the rifle out of the gun or i mean out of the trunk yeah wow tell he evaded police for so long uh <clears throat> So are David, are, are people or companies dumping, you had mentioned like dumping stuff or toxic, you know, materials are, is that, does that still happen? Not terribly often, at least not where I work. Um, 
most of the time when I get a illegal dumping, it's more like construction waste or tires or something, you know, that it's because the fire department is generally responsible for anything that would affect the environment. You know, that's how we end up doing follow-up on those. Some of them are really easy because they'll, they'll dump it in a place with security cameras and you can see the tag and just go follow up like, Hey, why'd you do that? (laughs) We had, um, this wasn't my case. There was one sort of crazy case at a, a service station where they had jury rigged. They did oil changes, and rather than save the waste oil for it to be um, properly disposed of, they had constructed and jury rigged this like dumping system where it, it went through a series of pipes and just went and just went into the storm drain. Oh. Um, and so, like people eventually, they, they couldn't figure out where it was coming from, and eventually, we got you know some of the um, the people who who work on the sewer lines and the water lines to come and help us out, and we ended up snaking the. Uh, the pipes to see where this was coming from and that's really the only one i can think of where someone was going out of their way to dump like hazardous waste like yeah that. usually it's just you know like i said debris or something that they don't want to pay to have hauled off properly so it ends up in like a cul-de-sac or something got it yeah well i mean i guess that's good that there's not a ton of that happening yeah where in pg county did you did you live when you first moved out there we lived in new Carrollton, lovely new Carrollton, maryland is that right off of 95? Yep. Yeah. Okay. PG always got a real bad rap, but there are definitely areas there that they're beautiful, beautiful yeah, areas. Yeah. I mean, even back then, there were, it wasn't all bad. There were certainly nice areas even back then. You know, as, and then as the area has continued to you know, grow over the years, I imagine PG is totally different now than when we were there. So uh, I had a, a friend in 2006, him and his wife. Uh, they couldn't afford a home and they, they really wanted to buy. They were just sick of renting and they bought a place uh, on Capitol Hill. And back then, even, I mean, just 2006, that was a really dangerous area. But uh, that's, I've heard that's just a really, really nice area now. Yeah, I, my knowledge of, of D.C. proper isn't quite as extensive. Um, I don't have to go into D.C. very often. My yeah. my wife my wife has worked for a, a few different agencies out here in the time that we've been out here, and sometimes her office space was in D.C. and I'd go in to visit, you know, to have lunch, or we'd go in to go out for dinner after her work was done or something. That was really the and sometimes we'd go in on on weekends to see a museum or a, a, sh- a show or whatnot. But that's really the only times I've actually had to be in um, D.C. itself. Usually, I'm more in the outskirts or not the. Yeah, it's- not the far outskirts, but more like the, um, you know, inside the, the, the uh, Beltway region. That's how we are here in Philly is that we, we don't ever go into Philly. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think since we've lived here now, it'll be going on two years in May. I think we've been inside of like downtown Philly one time. So not often. It's, it's just the traffic out here on the East Coast is so insane. Uh, like yeah. like it's, people, if it's, people who have only lived in the Midwest, uh, unless they've driven through chicago on like a normal basis they have no idea it's just ridiculous yeah when when david's talking about the beltway i mean i swear to god the beltway is the gate to hell that is (laughs) the worst road i've even people from la will tell you that the beltway is worse than driving in la it's just awful and there's something about dc like the roads in dc itself were designed just so stupid i can't understand i'm maybe back in the the horse-drawn days it made sense but these the 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 traffic circles and the angled streets and the streets that change which direction they're one way based on the time of day it's just crazy so do you know the history behind that 
Um, as the street layout, you mean? Yeah. I know it was designed by a French person. Uh, so the the roundabouts and the 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 weird directions the street goes and stuff that was all a strategic like strategically done to make it difficult for invading forces to capture the capital. Ah, that's what I've heard is that that was basically built to keep the British out, which obviously didn't work because the British burnt down what the White House. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, it wasn't the best plan, but it's also very successful, like keeping people out or from figuring out, you know, solving where they need to go if they're not familiar with the street system. <laughs> so. Exactly. Exactly. Well, hey, David, let's uh, let's take a quick little break here. When we get back, we'll talk a little bit about high school. Sounds good. More ECM circa 1995 coming up right after this commercial. You're all here. Nice. I really tried to get in really quick. That <laughs> you did awesome. <laughs> That's the fastest you've ever gotten in, Hubba. <laughs> I took a slight break to take a sip of my of my drink, and that was it. <laughs> and, and you still tied Hoban. <laughs> when we did the whole sled napkin interview, Joe Christofferson was like, there were times he was like at least five minutes later than everybody else. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hope is like, Joe, where do you go during that five minutes? <laughs> Take the bull by the horns and uh, ride it. Uh, so are before... you drinking anything interesting, David? What's that? I'm sorry. Are you drinking anything interesting? I am sipping on some whiskey this evening. Oh, that mm. sounds good. What kind <laughs> of whiskey? It's called uh, Uncle Nearest. Are you familiar with it? I, I was know. not until just recently. Tell so, us about it. The story behind it is Jack Daniel, you know, the famous Jack Daniel's whiskey, mm-hmm. um, learned how to distill whiskey from a slave. The slave went by the nickname of, of Nearest. So this is supposed to be the, the recipe that taught Jack, Jack Daniel how to make whiskey. I believe they don't actually own their own uh, distillery yet. They're in the process of having that built. So right now they are contracting with other distillers to make this recipe. But if you want to know how Jack Daniel learned to make whiskey, he learned it from a slave. So this is a, a bit, a, a bit, it's one step closer to the source. Wow. That's yeah. interesting. What's that called again? Uncle Nearest. Uncle Nearest. Okay. You know, I was thinking before we get into high school, tell us about some of your like, you know, go to spots, favorite museums in case any of our classmates are going to take a vacation with the kids or something to D.C. Like, what do they want to check out? Where do they want to eat? You know, that type of stuff. My personal favorite as far as the museums goes, museums go are the uh, air and space museums. Um, There's two of them now. There's one. There's the one that's along the mall, which is the original one. And now there's one that's out closer to uh, Dulles Airport. If anybody has any interest in anything related to space or flying, um, the one by Dulles Airport is the one to go to because they have a SR-71 Blackbird. There's a space shuttle out there that's been into space, which I find just fascinating. I've always been interested in, in anything uh, space related. 
And then there's like just tons of different types of jets and helicopters and all, all uh, sorts of stuff. You know, all of the uh, uh, Smithsonian ones are good. The um, Natural History Museum is really interesting. The one that everybody seems to want to go to when they come out here is the uh, International Spy Museum. I personally will admit that I'm a bit sick of that one because that's the one that all of our visitors want to go see. I think I've been through that like six times now and it hasn't, and it, it didn't change through any of the, uh, the trips. So Yeah. It's, it's the only one you have to pay to get into too. Yeah, it's like I don't know how much it would cost now. I mean, I think e- even when it first opened, when it first opened, it was like twenty bucks for a matinee ticket and probably like yeah. twenty five or thirty for an evening ticket. But yeah, those are the ones that I've been to the most. There's a lot of like other art museums that I'm not going to recall the names of all of them. There's a Native American history museum which is pretty good. I like the obscure, weird art museums better than like the traditional art museums. But there's certainly no shortage of uh, museums if, if if that's your interest. Yeah, I remember the one of the ones that had the biggest, most profound impact on me was the uh, Holocaust Museum. Yeah, that was. Have you been through that one? I might have gone through it once when we first moved out here. If I did, it's been a long time, so I'm not going to recall much about it. But yeah, the first thing I mean, you see when you enter that museum is a, a mountain of children's shoes. And uh, it's all the children who were perished in the Holocaust. It's it's powerful, and that's the first thing you see in it. It just and gets I, even more more intense as you go I, on. I don't think I, I think I would have recalled that. I don't think I've been there. I know my wife has been there. You know, back when we first moved out here and everybody was coming to visit. I think she went on a trip there with her family or some friends who had come to visit. And I think I just had to work that day. So um, it's certainly one that sounds like it's worth seeing, though. Yeah. As far as the air and space, uh, well, we were out there. They had the the practice shuttle, but I did see that. I think it's Discovery. It, they moved out there or something. Yep. To Dallas. Can you still like when it was the practice shuttle? You could actually walk through it. Can you still walk through it with the with the real one? No. I mean, it's all it's all blocked off. But it's okay. so. I'm just absolutely fascinated by that stuff, and it's it's so much bigger than. I mean, I know it. It looks big on TV, but until you're actually seeing it face to face, you don't realize just how huge it is. Yeah, right. So we did ask Dave some questions uh, about his memories of Eau Claire Memorial High School. You were uh, a crooner back in the day. (laughs) You still practice, uh, you still sing at all? Only to myself in the car. <laughs> and, and the kids? They, uh, our, daughter, we, our daughter is five. She, she loves to sing, but she's much, much less likely to do it if she knows you're listening. Uh. So if we hear her singing in the other room, we just kind of let her do her thing, and we kind of listen from around the corner because it's, it's, uh, it's fun. Um, Does she got the Garber pipes? She's pretty good. Um, I don't know that I really have any pipes to speak of that are anything, <laughs> anything special. I kind of started out, I was listening to um, the last interview with uh, David Nordstrom, and he, he was kind of, he was describing how when we were all at South, if you weren't in band or orchestra, you had to take a music class. So everybody, everybody that wasn't in band or orchestra just sort of had to take choir. And I was certainly, my mindset at that time was the same. I was there because you just had to take it. And so I, I did it for the two years when we moved to Memorial um, I did not take it freshman year, but the people that I knew who, who stayed with it were telling me how much fun they were having now. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll rejoin sophomore year. And I did. And it was, 
a lot of fun. So as the years went on, I, I joined as many as I could. So by senior year, I was in three different choirs at the school. Yeah, you must have had some kind of talent because I don't think after like seventh grade choir, they ever planned on letting me back in choir because <laughs> I was so bad. No one ever tried to recruit me for a choir. <laughs> so, no, I was right there with you, Goral. Yeah. Sometimes we'll be like singing at home with our kids a little bit. And my wife looks at me like, are you even trying to sound like... <laughs> Yeah, I enjoy singing and I do it often and my wife also does not enjoy it. So Yeah, I got I got nothing. I'll do it like if I'm around other people, I'll do it if it's obvious that I'm being silly, you know, or if I'm singing like the wrong lyrics on on purpose, I'll never just like bust out singing a an actual song. <laughs> You know, one thing, uh, David, to get ready for the interview, I went through some of your Facebook and I, you have a very, anyone who's out there who's friends with David on Facebook, you look through his pictures. He's got some really good pictures from the, the good old days from back in, uh, you know, circa 95 in, in Eau Claire. I did notice that uh, you and the smoke show were on the same football team for at least two years. <laughs> well, back in like what, uh, fifth or sixth grade or so that must've been. Yep. I saw the pictures, the, the old team photos yeah. that you have on your page and uh, you and Hoban are both there. And, you know, it's funny because I would never have thought of either of you as ever playing football because, you know, <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I mean uh, not that I'm like some football stud either, but <laughs> yeah, it was us. It was Chris Martins, Ben Stefan, um, Nate Thorson. I'm sure there were a lot more, but. Pete Anderson. Yeah. Pete Anderson think, was on the team. Yeah, too. I remember Pete uh, Thorson. I think was like kind of our star. Yeah, he was, he was, he was the good. quarterback, wasn't he? Uh, the quarterback. Yeah, he was fast. Yeah, I think he ran a lot. Yeah. Uh, cheese too. We oh, had yeah. cheese on our team. Mm -hmm. yeah. Speaking of Thorson, didn't even tell Hoban this yet, but he actually reached out to me tonight, like just minutes prior to this interview, and said he's ready to do an interview. So, oh, nice. Yeah, we'll be getting, <laughs> nice. we'll be scheduling Thorson on here shortly. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Did you play at did you play at South too, David? Or did I did. Um I can't remember if I played seventh and eighth grade or just seventh grade, but I did play at South and then that was the end of my football career. Yeah, that's where I ended too. It's for the best. <laughs> uh yeah, those yeah, that was... all those all those photos. I was back helping my mom for a long period of time and I, I came across this like, you know, um I came across this big uh, photo album where she had saved so many pictures and I had some, some time on my hands. So I spent one night and I scanned, like, I don't remember how many photos. I, I think I labeled that album on Facebook. Like, you know, you can't escape the time machine or something. Um, <laughs> there's like, there's like a hundred pictures in there or something. There's a lot of them. Yeah, there was, it was nice to look great. back and see like, um, Mike Martinez and Andy Spicks and, mm -hmm. you know, your whole crew sitting around playing, playing, I'm guessing Dungeons and Dragons. Or were you guys into magic? Oh, yeah. So we played D&D. &D, we played magic. We played some Battletech. Uh, we even tried one game of Jihad, which we were not fans of. It was <laughs> kind of funny. But Nate Legal led a gaming group where it was like a, like a cartoon role-playing game where you got to make your... It was just called Tune, I think. I made a stapler character for that campaign. So, yeah, I mean, all the nerd tabletop games, we played them. I think my D&D &D days probably ended around somewhere between freshman year and sophomore year but i always loved it man that's that's something i would still sit down and play today i think you know yeah do you get to sit down and, and do you play it all 
anymore? I do not. I wish I could. So when you had Andy Spix on, he was t- talking about that gaming group. I was a sexy beast. I really wish I could join them from for that one, but the timing just doesn't work out for me. You know, with our kids here and all, I would love if I could join that group. You know, maybe one day when they're older and they're not as reliant on us for bedtime and all that, it'll it'll work out better. But um, does that ever happen? Like I <laughs> seriously, <laughs> I'm praying for that day. <laughs> I hear it happens one day. It has not happened yet though for me yeah. uh do, do, do they at least like start to play on their own a little bit more are, are your kids getting to that age? yeah they are so our, our son who's eight he's at the age now where it's great fun to talk on the phone with friends so he will he will call up his friends and they'll just they'll be playing rocket league or some game online and they'll just be chatting at the same time when when the school day's done, they'll just you know our son will go outside and just look look for his friends in the neighborhood to go and play. So they do. Okay. So they they do spend more time playing on their own as they get older. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, that's nice, and I feel horrible saying this, and I'll miss these days uh, for sure when they're gone. But sometimes I just want to be like, can you just go play? <laughs> <laughs> like, just go play. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. by yourself, just go play. And uh, I, like I said, I'll feel I'll, I'll miss them when they're gone. But uh, be nice to get a little break from time to time. It's that old cats in the cradle. By the time they're ready to do that, you're going to be like, no, just stay. <laughs> yeah, I'll be bawling my <laughs> eyes out. <laughs> we heard some. Yeah, we. I got some. We got some really good advice from my mother-in-law. Where um. After we had our first kid, our son, and we, you know, everybody, it's always tough at first trying to figure out what to do. And um, she had passed along, uh, you know, things, things do get easier. And as they get older and they don't need you quite as much, each stage of their life is still really interesting because they're evolving as, as people. And so you see how their personalities grow and you can talk to them a bit more. And, you know, they might not be as interested in having you around when they want to spend time playing, but you also can talk to to them a lot more. So I'm sure we're all going to miss things about the way they are now when they're little, but they're also evolving as people. So we'll get to spend time with them when they're changed as well, which will be fun. Right. right. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that because I feel like I find myself like like a little sad at how fast time is going and you know now they're not wearing this or they're doing this and, oh, yeah. um but like but like each stage is just as fun if not more fun than the one before and like you said you get to see them evolve and develop and you can carry on conversations with them and it's it's yeah each it's, stage also presents its own set of new challenges too <laughs> yes my three-year-old was potty trained right at the beginning of covid uh, when, when, so about a year ago is really when we, he really got potty trained. So he's been potty trained for a while now, but we really don't go many places today. You know, one of the few times that he really kind of leaves the neighborhood or the yard, I took him to this little park. that's usually always empty. And we, we got there today and we had been there for about 10 minutes and he said he had to go poo poo. And then, uh, I said that we have to go home so that he can do that. And he didn't want to go home. So he turned around and looked at me and said, don't worry. It was just a toot. <laughs> so, so I believed him and uh, I let him go on, on about his business and, and play in the park. And about 10 minutes later, he said again, he had to go poo poo. So that time I'm like, okay, I think, I think we're running out of time here. We better, you know, 
cut and hit the road. But I wasn't sure whether or not he had just a toot for real. Luckily, it turned out that it was just a toot. He was telling me the truth. <laughs> but we got home, and shortly after getting home, he did he did have to go. So, <laughs> but that's something new that I haven't dealt with because we haven't really been in public with him without a diaper yeah. very much. You know, so that's interesting. Okay. How is uh how is the the whole COVID situation affected your job out there and your your life out there? My job has um I I don't have the type of job where you can really work from home, so I've I, I, I've no. uh, still had to go into work this whole time. Luckily, because I'm in public safety, I've I've already been vaccinated. I was in Group One B, so I was able to get the vaccine pretty early on. Good for you, man. Yeah, you know, I I still try to be as careful as I can because I don't want to bring it home to the rest of the household. Of course, you know I'm not quite as proactive as I might be otherwise because. I don't want to expose myself more than normal. When the time comes that I have to respond to a call or go to answer a complaint or, or something, um, fortunately, the fire department provides us with N95 masks and I keep some hand sanitizer in the truck. And so I, I'm, it hasn't really changed my, my need to go to work. I just try to be a little bit more careful and I don't you know, walk out amongst the people any more than I need to. What are some of your memories, favorite memories and, and maybe even not so favorite memories about the times it good old ECM. A lot of my favorite memories memories are related to the choir activities. Um, Mr. Utt was fantastic as a teacher. He was my, one of my favorite teachers there. Um, you know, I would, I'd sign up to go on all the, like the school sponsored trips with them and everything. Cause they were always so much fun. One of the things about choir, it was, I mean, it's probably true of any group of people, like people who ended up in band or, you know, other, other groups when you end up with a group of people who really want to be there and everyone's having fun, it's a very supportive environment. Even if you're hanging out with kids that you wouldn't other nor- normally hang out with, when everybody's there because they, they want to be there, you all tend to be just a little bit more uh, uh, supportive. So once they weeded out the gorals and the hobins, <laughs> it got a lot better. <laughs> uh, I can remember my senior year when I was in the, uh, the Madrigals, we do a lot of caroling at Christmas time. Yeah. That was a great group. I loved that group. Um, I can't imagine they handle it this way. Uh, back then, it was a bunch of teenagers would all get into our separate cars and we'd drive from place to place to place in snowstorms. You know, going like, you know, to the first hospital and then the second hospital and then to someone's house who wanted to come by. Like all these 16-year-old, 17-year-old teenagers driving in a snowstorm some nights. You know, now I would imagine they probably get it coordinated with a, like a band or something. But anyway, we were at, I think, Luther Hospital. We were supposed to sing for some patients there. And one of the, one of the members, one of the girls, she was running late. This was a night of a, a bad snowstorm. She was running late from the weather. And we were like one minute from going out to sing. And we were like, well, you know, she must be tied up in the weather. You know, how do we adjust? You know, so they're, so they're not waiting on us. And she came in at the very last minute and she was, she was crying because she was worried that, you know, we were going to miss the show because of her or it would screw up the, the, the show somehow. And like the amount of support that everyone gave, gave her to get her calmed down to like, hey, you know, you're here. It's fine. You know, no one's mad at you. It was just, instant support right away and she got calmed down pretty quickly and we went out and 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 did the show it was pretty amazing to see like because you know high school kids and kids in general we could be mean at times right like that that doesn't always happen but when you're in a group like that where you all want to be there and you're all having fun you know one of the things i like best about it is it was there was a lot of support which i liked yeah that's awesome yeah that's very cool another thing that you had mentioned about high school that i i do actually i don't know why I remember this, 
but I do remember the old flag in the gym. Yeah. I was just in gym class one. So this was in, I think it was the newer of the two gyms at the, the one that was close to the weight room. Um, Mm -hmm. It was this huge flag hanging on the wall and I was in there for volleyball or something, you know, whatever, whatever course we were in. And I was just looking at it. I was like staring off into space probably. And I'm like, something about that looks different. And it was the arrangement of the stars just looked off to me. When you look at the current 50 star flag, there's, there's two different grids. There's a 30 star grid and a 20 star grid that kind of sits in the middle in the empty spaces of the larger grid. So the stars don't fall into straight columns and rows. And this flag only had one, one set of columns and, and, and one set of rows, like all in just one grid. And I'm like, well, that looks different. So I, I, I counted out eight times six. I'm like, holy shit, that only has 48 stars. <laughs> and I got to, so this flag must have lived in the gym for its whole life. I mean, I can only imagine. So Memorial was built in, or it opened in 57, I think. Yeah. And Alaska and Hawaii did not become states until 1959. Yep. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it's illegal to buy a flag that's not the current flag. I'm not positive on that, you know, unless it's like a movie prop or something. So I figured this flag must have been purchased at the same time the school opened. And it must have lived its whole life in the gym and it still only had 48 stars. And it, I mean, it was in, it looked to be in great shape for, I mean, even back then it was what, 40, almost 40 years old. I kind of wonder if it's still there or if it got taken down at some point. Well, we just found out in the Liz Dahl episode that Alicia Howe is a teacher at Memorial. So <clears throat> we are in the process of tracking down Alicia. I, if, if she's listening, I have your email, Alicia. And I will be <laughs> reaching out shortly. So if you have a chance to see if that flag is still in the new gym or the newer, it, you're talking about, it was the gym where we played badminton, right? It was. The, so if you're walking down the hallway where Deca was on the right-hand side, the old gym was on the left. The new gym was on the yes. right. It was in the, yeah, it was yeah. in the right-hand side gym. The one, not the one we had like pep rallies in the, the, the other. The other. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Alicia, if you're listening, check that out for us. See if that flag is still there. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I, I, I wonder, and if it, if it's not, I wonder what happened to it. I don't remember that, but that's that's pretty yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it was. It must have always been intended to hang on the wall because it was absolutely massive, and for a flag that was almost forty years old, it didn't look like it had any you know weathering damage to it. So, speaking of uh, that gym, that's the gym I remember always playing. Marty Stein and badminton. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. And like the deal was <laughs> if you do. beat him, you got to, you were, you could skip gym the rest of the year if you beat him in badminton. Yeah. And he was just ridiculous. I mean, you couldn't even get a point off of him. No. And he, he didn't look like a super, you know, limber, <laughs> fast. Yeah. You wouldn't think of Marty guy, Stein as being some... agile. At it by any means. No, no, but he could cover the whole court basically with <laughs> a step yeah. or two. I, Maybe I'm making this up in my head and, and maybe David, you're not the right person to ask. This is probably more of like a call up question. I think was he like an alternate on the Olympics for badminton or something like that? I recall, recall something that, like that. That sounds Does made up. <laughs> I, I don't know for sure. I feel like he was like a, wasn't he a football player? Like, didn't he play for, I don't know. I feel like he played for the Gophers or something. I, I could be making that up, though, too. 
but I think he did or was or something. I mean, yeah, definitely. Like you wouldn't look at him and say badminton player. So you're probably more right. on, on right. point than I am with this, but, uh, I th- so Kevin, did we, um, I did tennis, but only freshman year at Memorial. Would we have crossed paths in that? Or were you on a, you were probably on a better group than I was. Oh no, I was never on a good group. I was always JV. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure we did. Um, do you remember McCarthy playing? I pl- I mostly played with Adrian Madland, I think. Yeah, I remember um, Adrian being on the team too. Was there a freshman team and a JV team? I don't remember. Um, whatever teams existed, I'm sure I was on the lowest of the tiers. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of recall. I kind of recall crossing paths with you. I, I I do remember Adrian Madeline on the team. Um, do you keep in touch with Adrian at all anymore? Not really. I mean, we're we're Facebook friends, but I'm not on Facebook very often. Yeah. We didn't really keep in touch after high school yeah. very much. Well, when, when you were talking about, so you mentioned Alicia is at Memorial. Now I went to the Memorial webpage and just glanced over it really quickly. I went through the the staff to see if I recognize any, any names. I saw um, Alicia's name. I'm like, Oh, I wonder if that's the same person. And it, it, it turns out it is. Yeah. There's, I recognized one staff member who I actually had as a, a teacher. And that was David Sparger who taught Jim. Yeah, he's still um, there. He's still there. Um, I mean, I guess the the timing would make sense if if he was a, a young new teacher at the time when we were you know juniors or seniors. You know, we're we're still within the time frame where he could do a full career there. So I don't think he was that young and new back then, was he? I think he was. I mean, he was new to okay. Memorial, and he was like the the a younger version <laughs> of Stein. I felt. <laughs> he was the young Stein, wasn't he? <laughs> Yeah, he's a, a big guy too. Yeah, he yeah, was. he was a football coach. Wow, I'm I'm a little surprised there aren't um, a few of them. That was but... like 26 years ago. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I guess they would have been just starting. Right. I still feel bad about Mr. Hoffman. He was our English teacher. I don't know if we got him fired or not, but I, I don't think he ever came back. And he was too nice of a guy, and we took advantage of him. I don't know if you no. guys ever had him. But he was, I think he was like probably straight out of school. Um, so maybe he landed somewhere else and had a successful career. Uh, there, but um, I think he only made it a year. Do you guys know, have any former staff members caught wind of the podcast or any of them listening? I don't know. They have not, they have not reached out if they have. I kept in touch with Mr. Utt and with Deb Peterson a little bit outside of uh, high school. Facebook made things easier back when I was when I was on Facebook a little bit more often. You know, whenever you would, whenever I found myself, whenever you uh, a conversation would lead towards high school for whatever, like if you were comparing high school stories with someone, or if you were talking with someone from high school, I had a lot of memories of of, of Mr. Ut and of Deb Peterson. Um, and I got to thinking, you know, well, that must mean something. They must have had the most impact on me. And so I decided, you know, if they were, if they had that much of a positive effect on me, I really shouldn't keep that to myself. I should let them know. So I, I contacted both of them on, you know, different years through Facebook. And I ended up meeting with them both for like a meal or a, 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 a coffee or something. I remember I, I met Mr. Ud at that restaurant that was behind Oakwood. I think it's called Monks now, but it was something else a while ago. Um, it was a place that served all the pies from the Norsky Nook, I think. Mm. He and I met for lunch a couple of times and had a, 
you know, a, a lot of fun just catching up. And I, and I told him afterwards, I said, you know, look, you were one of my favorite teachers. I thought you were one of the best. And he tried to brush it off as I imagine any teacher would, but I want to let him know. And then um, Deb Peterson was a little harder to get a hold of because she does not have a smartphone. I don't think so. I was able to contact her through Facebook. We met on Graham Avenue just a few years ago and had a, a coffee and kind of caught up and, you know, I told her the same thing. So that's great. Yeah, that's that was great. cool. Was she a choir teacher too? I, I can't remember who, I don't remember who that she is. Taught, was. She taught English, acting, and stagecraft. Oh, English. That sounds familiar. Yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. I did not have her for English. I took acting my freshman year, and it was very apparent that I was not going to have a career in Hollywood <laughs> 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 or even, you know, read no stage plays or anything. Um, but I took both of the stagecraft classes with her, and those were just a blast. You know, they were, they were classes that didn't feel like class at all. You know, there was no like, you know, sit down at your desk and there's someone at the front of the room that's going to tell you this is what you're learning now and all that. Um, there was a lot of helping, you know, cut pieces of wood for sets and painting and choosing costumes for the shows and whatnot. And then, you know, you got to work, if you weren't one of the actors, which I certainly wasn't going to be, um, you know, you, you uh, got to work as a stagehand for the shows. So um, that was a lot of fun with her too. So were you into like the lighting and the, the set design and stuff like that? Not so much the design. So it was, it was interesting hearing Mariah talk about uh, that production of uh, 42nd Street. Mm -hmm. For that show, so for that set, probably for most of the shows, but for that set, they would hire an, an outside carpenter to actually build the set. But the, the students, they would have us cut like all the wood to the lengths that they needed. You know, we would help. I mean, we got, you know, some of the lessons involved, you know, choosing gels for the lights and all that, but we weren't so much designing the set as helping build what the designer had in mind. And then when the shows came around, you know, the, the stuff that I did was like, I would, I would pull the curtains when it was time for the curtains to be pulled. I would, you know, take props on and off set. There was a separate crew of people that worked the lights up on the catwalk. I wasn't, I wasn't part of that, but it was still fun. Cool. All right. Well, I guess we should uh, wrap up or, or, closing in on about an hour of of your time now david so yeah thank you so much for for doing this and uh i'm i'm looking forward to uh to better days hopefully uh the family and i are not too far we're about two hours from dc perhaps the families could meet up on the mall at some point and and have a nice little afternoon yeah it'd be cool yeah well, now, that we, now that we got contact info i mean i've i've heard you speak a little bit about wanting to come down maybe when the cherry blossoms are out to yeah. come and visit them. yeah You'll have to, we'll have to meet up for a meal or a beer. Oh, yeah. one thing I want to mention that's been really cool from these, uh, these podcasts, listening to the, uh, the sled napkin episodes, when you talk to Nick to Caesar, hey, hey. um, he and I went to grade school together. We were pretty good friends in, in grade school, but then we just sort of found new groups of friends. Once we moved to South as you know, it just happens. But when I heard him talking about where he ended up out in Montana, and the, uh, the agency that he works for, I'm like, well, that sounds familiar. Did my sister work for that agency? And so I, 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 I uh, texted her and said, hey, do you remember my friend Nick the Caesar from, from grade school? She's like, yeah, a little bit. Nick has a Google bio out on the internet. So I sent her to that and she saw his picture and she's like, holy shit, you know, yeah. Yeah, and we, I, uh, they work for different branches or they worked or my sister doesn't work for that agency anymore, but when she did, she worked for a, for a different branch of the same agency. She said she saw him from time to time, but didn't have a, a lot of reason to, to, to cross paths with him. It's like, well, that's kind of a, a weird coincidence. So I emailed, so I um, sent Nick an email just to share the coincidence. 
I kind of gave him the same story. And I said, you know, her last name has changed now since she's married. And I, you know, I told her, I told him her last name is Biggs now. And he's like, he's like, well, yeah, he's like, yeah, you know, now that you mentioned it, we did cross paths. I didn't put two and two together. If I had seen or heard the name Garber, I, I'm sure I would have thought of you. So now because of this podcast, the next time when it's safe to travel, if I, the next time I go to visit my sister, I can also give Nick a call and we can meet for a, a, a beer or something, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. What a small world. I know. I'd say Yay. another circa 95 victory. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's awesome, cool. David. I, I, I hope yeah. to someday get out and be able to have a beer with Nick as well. That sounds like a, a great little setup he's got up out there. Yeah, it does. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks again um, for doing this. Anything you want to add, Hoban? Uh, no, I don't think so. Appreciate your time, David. Glad you're uh, doing well. Yeah, well, I certainly appreciate the time as well. It was great talking and catching up i don't i mean i don't remember us having much reason to cross paths in high school but i mean i, I certainly i was uh, aware of both of you i mean uh kevin your nickname transcended more than you did <laughs> <laughs> man I, that's a hard thing to get away from in high school for sure and that was like i said that right. was only one year that was a it was a pretty popular one for one year. <laughs> one year nickname. <laughs> that stuff spreads. <laughs> I think it's kind of neat though. It, it, it's it's been super fun to listen to the podcast, and it's interesting when you're adults and you have a chance to sort of get to know people all all over again. It's been a lot of fun talking. So. Hey guys, at ECM Circa 95, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail or a shout out at 715-255-0035 or send us an email at ecmcirca95 at gmail. Thanks for listening. Hey, I don't think this is the right place. <laughs>